Well, good morning, everybody. As Catherine said, my name's Alex. If I haven't had an opportunity to meet you yet, hello, and I'd love to um, uh, talk to you after the service, especially if you're new or you just feel like you haven't quite connected into the life of the church yet. I'd love to um, see if I can uh, welcome you. And as Catherine mentioned, we've been doing this series, Live Your Best Life, over the past maybe five weeks. And um, the premise is that Jesus presents us this opportunity for life and life to the full. He says that we are able to live our best life. But if you're anything like me, your experience of your life day to day might not feel as though you're accessing this life and life to the full that Jesus promises. We have barriers in our lives that prevent us from being able to live life to the full, whether that's anxiety, fear, a lack of money, a lack of resources, problems in relationships, problems at work. All these things prevent us from living our best life. But over the last few weeks, we've been looking at ways that you and I can access this life and life to the full. If you have your journal with us, you can flip back to week one where um, we looked at live it in love, how God's perfect love casts out fear. Then the next week, we looked at live it together, hashtag squad goals, how we're called to live a life together, that together we can experience more of this life to the full. Week three was live it in the spirit that you and I alone aren't able to become the people that we want to be and we're not able to stop doing the things that we don't want to do. But a life in the spirit changes and transforms us and makes us able to be the people we would like to be. Helps us to stop doing the things that we don't want to do. The week after we had live it fresh, hashtag transformation Tuesday, looking at the idea of our minds being transformed, particularly looking at the area of mental health. And then last week we had live it with purpose, hashtag motivation, how we're called to play our part in seeing the restoration not only of our own lives and those of the lives around us, but also playing our part in seeing the restoration of our city and beyond. And today I want to talk about live it with confidence Live it with confidence. All of us want to be more confident. I think confidence is an attractive quality. We want to be more confident in our health, confident in our future, confident in how we look, our work, relationships, our financial position. We want to be confident in our skills, our abilities, confident that life is going well. And we're hardwired to iron out the areas in our lives that don't make us feel confident. We're looking to address the problems, to fix the issues. And what that leads us to do for so many of us, maybe this is just me, but it leads us to look for inspiration in the world, for things that we believe will make us feel more confident. We look on Instagram for inspiration for the body that will make us beach ready, the new interior decor that will make our homes completely hygge. We look for the whitest teeth, the best relationship. We even look at other groups of friends and think, if only my friends were like that. We think that confidence in those visual outer things will fix our internal insecurities. But what happens is actually looking for inspiration for those things that we think will make us feel more confident end up making us feel less confident because we look at the perfect life, the perfect teeth, and all it does is remind us that we don't have those things. I was looking on um, Instagram this week, and um, there's this great feed that shows people sort of, uh, or shows pictures of things that people have tried to recreate. They've been inspired online to either bake something that looks good or create something, and then the sort of reality, the result of what it really looks like. First, this person tried to make a kid's train birthday cake. 
I love that. Mess. <laughs> Looks like something I've made. I love this next one. Um, boiled egg snacks in the morning. Love those <laughs> scary things underneath. That all-important family photo. <laughs> Absolute carnage. <laughs> Thinking about having a hipster breakfast. <laughs> and finally, a nice piece of avant-garde art. The problem is that this kind of inspiration makes us feel like we're falling short and it leaves us even further away from this best life that we have in mind. And it's because the real barriers that prevent us from living our best life are internal. They aren't things that we need to fix on the outside. They're what's going on the inside. The real barriers to living our best lives is waking up and feeling worried and not being able to control it. For so many of us, it's just low-grade depression and anxiety, fears over our relationship, our health, our future. And what I've been thinking about recently is that this approach to life, this lack of confidence, can also play out in our faith, that we can approach our faith with a lack of confidence. I was sort of like reflecting perhaps on my own faith and thinking, I wonder if sometimes I approach my faith as if I can just access enough peace If somebody prays for me on a Sunday, then it will hold back the anxiety, at least hopefully until Wednesday. Or if I hear a helpful talk on forgiveness, then it might mean that I can forget about a painful relationship for a few days. Or if I listen to a worship song on the way into work, then my annoying colleagues will only annoy me a little bit, not loads. We approach our faith, Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, as if it's some kind of remedy, antidote, or an anesthetic to the problems in our life. It's a bit like having the kind of faith um, that's like wearing a pair of white jeans. I owned a pair of white jeans once, and I only wore them once, and Liz said that was once too many times. But if you're wearing white jeans, that's all good. If you're a boy and you're wearing white jeans, I'm not sure. But um, uh, if you're wearing white jeans, it's totally, totally fine. But um, if you wear white jeans or even a fresh white T-shirt, you know, everyone's like looking around trying to find the person. Where are the white jeans? Oh, I'd love that. Um, but what you do if you're wearing a brand new white T-shirt or you're wearing white jeans, you approach life with absolute fear. You don't, you don't have tomato ketchup in your bacon butty. You don't, organize, you don't order the bolognese, you don't have coffee, and you don't have children within 10 feet of you, because you need to protect these white jeans from the mess, the dirt, the noise, and the nuisance of the world. Get away from my jeans. Our faith becomes like that, it becomes like wearing this pair of white jeans. It becomes fragile. And what we do is we come to church on a Sunday, and we hope, if I could just clean these jeans a little bit, then hopefully the fear that the anxiety my mess up life won't ruin them too much by the time I get here next week. But in the Bible, it says, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul, who wrote these words, wants us to completely flip our way of thinking around. Instead of approaching from a posture of lack, We want to come from a position of victory. What he's saying is that the power of God in our lives has complete authority, control, and victory over anything that stands against us. Our faith isn't like a pair of white jeans. Our faith is like bleach that we wield against the mess, the dirt, the disruption of the world. We're carrying something incredibly powerful and transformative where we go. When we pray for our work What's on offer isn't making our colleagues slightly less annoying. 
It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will bring change and transformation to people's lives. If we pray for forgiveness, it's not that the pain from that broken relationship will go away for a couple of days. We're releasing the full power of God's grace to vanquish that hurt in our life and bring complete freedom from what's gone wrong. We don't need to worry about getting our genes dirty, but the world better watch out. Our faith transforms our relationship with the world. Instead of coming from a position of lack, we approach from a position of victory. That Bible verse that I read, a bit more context, it says this, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Apostle Paul takes time to address every single thing that you think might separate you from the power of God working in your life. Neither death nor life. He's saying not even death can prevent me from bringing you to be a conqueror. Not angels nor demons. I like that he says, you know, demons, not even evil can separate me from you. But while we're on it, not even good things, not even angels can separate my love from you. Neither the present the past nor the future, nothing that you've ever done, nothing that can ever happen to you will ever be able to separate you from the love of God, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, in case you were trying to think of something that hasn't been covered, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The victory that Jesus has claimed in our lives makes the darkness tremble. He's trying to say, this is the power. It's not a prayer to make you slightly more cheerful. It's not something that's going to make work bearable. It's the almighty power of Christ that created the universe is living in you. That's the position to approach the world, a position of victory. So how do we claim this position of victory? Just grab a bottle of bleach and wander around like this outside. How do we start living like that? It's a complete mindset shift. How do we access this all-conquering power that Paul promises us? The answer is as simple as it is beautiful. It's prayer. Prayer is the means by which we access the all-conquering power of Christ in our lives. I'm so sorry if you feel disappointed because you thought it was going to be sort of like something I could just give to you. Like, oh, it's flipping prayer. That's, I knew that one. Prayer is the answer. Prayer is the mechanism for how we release the all-conquering power of God in our lives. And you know what? If I'm really honest, I, um, I think I've struggled with prayer over the years. And I was trying to think this week, like, why is it that I've sort of perhaps lacked a passion for prayer? And there's two reasons. The first, I think, is that I believe that God is really good. And so I think, well, why, why does he need me to pray? Because he's sort of working for my good. He's got good intentions for me. Why would he need me to sort of mutter a few words under my breath in order to release what he's got for me? He's going to do it anyway. And so I'm lazy about prayer. And then perhaps in other moments, what I think is, you know, God is sovereign. He has a plan. He's set things in motion. How can I alter God's providence? How can I change his thinking. How will that work? Well, recently I felt as though God has been speaking to me about prayer. 
We've increased the number of times that we pray together as a staff team. We've changed the way that we pray. I've started praying more on my own, more intentionally and more specifically for the things in my life. And one thing that really helped me to do that is um, I have an app on my phone um, called uh, Version Bible. It's just the, um, it's the Bible in an app, but um, it has reading plans so that you can read um, different sort of uh, devotionals day by day. And I started doing a devotional on prayer. And the first day about prayer really helped me to see in a different way how prayer interacts with God's sovereignty and his providence. The Bible tells us that God is sovereign, that he guides all human ways and actions by his providence. And sort of sovereign is defined as complete control. God has complete control over his creation, but at the same time, God tells us to pray. The Bible promises us that God listens to our prayers and our requests and that he acts as we pray. So the question is, how do we reconcile the sovereignty of God with this request and this call to pray? Well, the answer is that prayer is the mechanism through which God chooses to act in our lives. I'm so sorry, I'm so slow to this. You guys are like, yes, Al, we were there five years ago. Where have you been? I'm so sorry, I feel like this is a fresh revelation to me. Prayer is the mechanism by which God acts and moves in our lives. So, for example, if you think, like, I am, uh, Liz and I are able to feed and clothe and house our family, and we do that by having jobs. So we go out, we work, we earn money, and then we buy food, we have a house, and we clothe our kids. There's enough food and shelter and clothing to provide for our family, but the mechanism by which we do that is by working. And then if we stopped working, we would lose the ability to feed and clothe and house our kids. Do you see, in the same way, prayer is the mechanism by which God releases his blessing into our life. There's enough blessing out there. He's not short on blessing and power. But if you live a prayerless life, it dries up. Your intimacy with God, the connection with God, if you're not praying for something to happen, God says, well, that's how I work. That's how I choose to operate in your life. And so you're restricting me from giving you the blessing. If I stop praying, or if I want a better job, or if I want God to perform a miracle in my family, I need to pray because prayer is the means that God has chosen to work through and manifest his sovereign will in my life. Basically, God wants to give us really good things. He wants to be close to us and have a meaningful relationship with us. And he's decided that the mechanism through which he releases that in our lives is prayer. Prayer has the power to transform us individually, to transform our friends, our family, our co-workers, and also to transform our city and the world. I was thinking, prayer has the power to transform us personally. You might be dealing with depression, worried about work, afraid of the future. You might be unwell or going through a bereavement. Prayer can make a huge difference to your life. I think of Bethany Pearson. Bethany Pearson uh, went to our old church with us, and I knew Bethany for years, and she was suffering with terrible chronic fatigue, ME. 
And she struggled all throughout her late teenage years and into her early 20s. She had to drop out of school. She tried to go to university and had to drop out. And it was really hurtful for her because she is a really bright, intelligent person, but she kept failing at these things that should have been within her grasp. She saw all her friends go off to university and do all these amazing things, and she ended up spending years at home watching TV, not able to do anything. One year, she managed to drag herself to focus. And in one of the focuses, our church week away, it's coming up at the end of July. And on one of the evening sessions, she went forward to be prayed for, for healing. Overnight, she was dramatically healed of ME. This was a few years ago. Since then, she's got a job. She moved houses. She's planted a church. She uh, works full time. She has a full and active life. She came into the office this week and said, you'll never guess what I've done. I've been jogging. And I was like, well, that's amazing. She was like, I never thought I was a jogger. Turns out I can jog. Um, And she said, I've not tried jogging because I was never able to do it. And God's completely healed me. And I keep remembering there's there's more areas of these lives where I think, he's healed me. She's jogging. She's been off jogging. Prayer can impact us individually. If you're ill, why not come for prayer? Because you've got nothing to lose. What if God completely transforms your life this morning? Prayer impacts us individually. Prayer impacts our friends, our families, our colleagues, our housemates. I didn't grow up going to church, and I was invited when I was in my early 20s to go along to an Alpha course, and I went relatively begrudgingly with every intention of disproving Christianity. And as I went through the weeks, I was quite frustrated because I couldn't access this thing that everybody else seemed to be able to access, this faith, this purpose, this relationship with Jesus. And on the Alpha Holy Spirit session, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I, it transformed my life completely. But what I wasn't prepared for was that in the following six months, I would meet people and they would say, I've been praying for you. I'm like, who even are you? I don't even know who you are. It turned out that my housemate who'd invited me to Alpha worked for a Christian charity in South London and they prayed every day for me for six months. 200 of them every single day. So there's 200 people out there who bump into me and say, I was praying for you. Some women who live in Colorado in America who have a small group were praying for me every week because a girl on Alpha's mom lived in Colorado and she said, mom, pray for this guy in my Alpha course. A woman who lives in Norfolk met my mum on a train. She was praying for me. You know, people don't just get transformed. You always find the story of prayer later on. Prayer impacts us individually. It impacts our friends, our families, our co-workers. And it impacts the city and the world. Prayer has the power to impact the city and our world. I've got this real sense at the moment that The Holy Spirit seems to be on the move in our church, but also in the HDB network of churches that we are part of. I've spent quite a lot of time over the last two or three weeks with people who lead similar churches in different cities, and they keep saying, oh, something's going on. And I said, something's going on with us too. Last Sunday morning here at the 10.30, it felt as though the Holy Spirit came on our service in a way that we haven't experienced for months Other people are saying that they are experiencing the same things. We've, as Catherine mentioned in the hosting, we've been having our Alpha courses, and we're seeing people filled with the Holy Spirit, people coming to faith. I received a message just a couple of days ago uh, by a guy who was completely unchurched a year ago, and his daughter received an invitation at school to go to our 4 p.m. service. 
He's been doing Alpha this term, and he messaged me asking if he could get baptized. He said, the last year has been amazing. Developing my faith has been really unexpected, but fantastic. Alpha was brilliant. It's opened up so much for me. I can't thank you and the team enough. I bet you his story begins in prayer. Somebody's been contending for his life. And you know what? If we look more widely, history is silent on any revival that didn't begin in prayer. There's no story of a revival that didn't begin in prayer. I love the last time there was a revival in the United Kingdom was in Lewis, the Outer Hebrides. This um, happened in 1949. Two old ladies, one of them called Peggy, who was virtually blind, prayed and prayed and prayed because she felt God stirring her to do something in her community. They committed to praying and they prayed late into the night for months and months. And suddenly one night the presence of God broke out and swept through a prayer meeting in a remote farmhouse. The book that this is in said, men were convicted of their sin, repented in the fields around that place. Such was the weight of glory that people would wake up in the middle of the night, having never heard the gospel preached, fall to their knees in their bedrooms with the conviction that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. Duncan Campbell, who preached during the Great Awakening, said this, that revival was like a community saturated with God. It all begins in prayer. If we want to live our best life, then we live it in confidence. And we have every right to be confident because we are more than conquerors through Christ. That's what he's put in us. And the access to that all-conquering power is through the power of prayer. So let's pray.